0: Today, Turn to Genesis chapter 43. Genesis 43, I've entitled the message, what does God want? Or maybe put it this way, what can you give God that he wants? And uh, we'll, we'll see here the story here about Jacob and his boys. Just to recap what's happened here, uh, Joseph's brothers, remember because of the famine, they go down to Egypt to get food. And Joseph uh, is in Egypt, he's gone from prison to the prime minister now, he's uh, only second to Pharaoh, and they have to go, they don't know, they don't recognize him, because he's got his head shaved, he's got his face shaved, like the Egyptians, and the Egyptian garb, and they never expected to see their brother in a position like that, but Joseph recognized them. And he accuses them of being spies. He knew they were not, but he's kind of giving them a little taste of their own medicine. And, but mainly giving them an opportunity to see what they had done is wrong and uh, to remind them. And so uh, they uh, are then told, they, they tell Joseph about their younger brother. He says, well, unless you come back with your younger brother, your brother uh, Simeon is going to stay in prison. And so then the argument last week we talked about between Judah Judah. And Jacob, uh, his father, Jacob finally allows Benjamin to go. And before he sends out his son, Jacob commands that uh, for his, his sons to carry uh, to Joseph. He didn't know it was Joseph, but to carry to him uh, some gifts. And he's hoping to soften up this man so that he would treat his sons a little better this time than it, it was last time. And so, but, and, and there's the question, talking about Joseph what do you give a man that has everything uh, Joe he didn't need gold and silver he he had all this uh, he didn't need power he had all the power you could have there in Egypt and the, and the world for that matter and he had access to all the knowledge and the advanced learning in Egypt he didn't need uh, education he had many servants so uh, he was a very powerful man wise and wealthy what do you get a man that has everything and a position like Joseph well as I read this text here I wonder what poor miserable creatures like ourselves what can we give a holy God that has done everything for us and so I see the similarities there what can we possibly give to the king of kings and lord of lords who owns the cattle on a thousand hills in fact he owns every hill he owns every planet he owns it all what can you give god well god doesn't need our wealth he doesn't need uh our power or or any of the other things that we might think of because he owns it all but let's read first the text and then we'll get into uh uh, this comparison between what the gift is they were given to joseph and the gift that we should give to our king our lord but it Genesis chapter 43, look with me at verse 11. And their father Israel, that's Jacob, he said unto them, If it must be so now, do this, take of the best fruits in the land in your vessels, and carry down the man a present, a little balm and a little honey, spices and myrrh, nuts and almonds, and take double money in your hand and the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks. Carry it again in your hand for adventure. It was an oversight. Take also your brother um, and arise. Go again unto the man. And God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may send away your other brother and Benjamin. If I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. Our Heavenly Father, as again we look into your word, help us to understand it and to apply it to our lives and to just allow you to have your way with our hearts today. For it is in Jesus' name we pray amen god doesn't need our wealth god doesn't need our position god i mean you could debate this but in reality god doesn't really need anything he's not a needy person or person like you and i are but he wants to use us and and therefore it could be said well he needs us because he wants that companionship he wants that fellowship Uh, that uh, obedience to his commands. But God doesn't need anything. In Psalm chapter 40, there's uh, two great verses I want to read to you. Psalm, did I say 40? I meant 50. Psalm chapter 50 and verses 10, well, I'll read read three of them. We'll read verse 12 as well. 10 through 12. For every beast of the forest is mine, God says, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. God owns it all. What do you give a God that owns everything? God doesn't need our knowledge or our wisdom. He knows everything. In Job 42, 2, it said, I know that thou canst do everything, Job talking about God, and that no thought can be withholden from Thee. He knows every He knows our very thought. Amazing. God doesn't need our power. He holds the universe and all that is in the universe. He holds it in His hand. He possesses all power. Uh, Genesis eighteen fourteen. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's a rhetorical question. No, there's nothing too hard for for God. And and then Jesus even said there in Matthew 28 that all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And so he's all-powerful, and God doesn't need our service. He, he commands uh, millions of angels. I don't know how many there may be altogether, but just myriads of angels who, who exist to do one thing, to uh, uh, do his perfect will. And so Matthew 26, 53, thinkest thou that I canst not pray to my father and that he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. He could have done that and could have uh, not gone to the cross, but thank God he did because he loved us. and He died in our place. In Matthew chapter four, we read there where the angels came and ministered unto him uh, after being tempted of the devil. And so God doesn't need our service and but praise the lord he he allows us to serve him he wants us to serve him and he's made his whole plan in uh, with that in mind so what could we possibly give god now i believe these verses here in genesis they teach us something about the uh, that very matter there what we can give god in fact these verses talk about the only gifts that are worthy of our savior and so you can be thinking about that we'll uh, try to answer those questions here in a moment but the first thing is number one god desires simple gifts he desires simple gifts in other words a gift that all of us can give you don't have to be rich you don't have to be famous but god desires a simple gift jacob his sons to gather the best fruits of the land here and he wants to send joseph a present Uh, now that word carries the idea of a gift expressing loyalty to us to a superior so jacob is simply saying we're going to send our very best the very best that we have now when you look at that list of things that he's sending you might think well that doesn't seem like a whole lot and that that doesn't seem very Uh, like a very nice fancy gift but it's it's in truth it was a lot because they were in a famine just a little a lot at this time they were giving of their best they were giving uh, what they had and um, now imagine how joseph must have felt when he received these gifts i mean this is uh i try to try to remember how it was when i was in college and have a package sent to me and and, uh, and just how it, uh, some of the, the cookies or some of the other goodies that were in there. And how it would remind me of when I was a child. And, and how must it have been with Joseph. He hadn't tasted the fruit of Canaan in years since he was hauled off down to Egypt as a slave. And how the, the little things from his home, how that must have brought gladness to his heart. Jacob had no idea that that was his son. But God did. And these these gifts meant a lot to to Joseph. And uh, they back, I'm sure, fond memories in his early childhood. But it was a simple gift. That's my point. A simple gift. But it was fit for a king. Why? Because it was their best. They gave of their best. And that was what was key here. God doesn't expect you to give millions of dollars. We don't have that. God doesn't expect you to give what you don't have or something that's very difficult to obtain. Something simple, your best. giving your best. He deserves the best of your time. He should have the first part, the best part, and not just the leftovers. God, if I have time, I'll serve you. No, no, God wants the best of our time. Um, and if, you know, our time is a great gift to God. That's what he wants and he deserves the very best he also deserves the best of our service you know i i've I've heard people say well when i retire i'm really going to start serving god then sometimes they don't even make it through retirement but another thing is you know how it is as we get older we can't do the things that we once were able to do or as much as we were able to do and so in essence what we're saying god wait till i'm spent Wait till I do things the way I want to do it. Then I'll give you some time and I'll give you my service. Be the best you can be where God has placed you right now. Everybody can do that. God's not asking you to do something you can't do. Just give your best, your best of your time, the best of your service. And then he deserves the best of our resources. Many people, they buy what they want. They enjoy the fruits of their labors, and then they give God the leftovers. He deserves. In fact, I'll go further. He demands here uh, the first part of our income. The Bible says in Leviticus 2730, and all the tithe, that's a 10%, all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. The tithe is is the Lord's. God's not looking for some elaborate expensive gift but just simple gifts all he expects us to give him is the very best that we have and it's a gift that every one of us can give to him and a gift worthy of our king now Israel came to the place where they were giving less and less less of their best I should say and, um, it, and that. Uh, they, they received a, a rebuke from the Lord there in Malachi. And the book of Malachi, for the sake of time, we're not going to turn there. But God rebukes them for stealing the tithe, for keeping it to themselves and not giving of their time. And he, but God deserves our best. Let me ask you today, are you giving our king the absolute best of your time, of your service, of your resources? Does he um have to settle for second best or maybe third fourth or even worse whatever i have left i'll give you that lord and so god desires a simple gifts, so and then number two god deserves sacrificial gifts and that's what we see in the life of of uh, jacob here he was giving a sacrificial gift look there with me again at verse 12 and take double money in your hand and the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks, carry it again in your hand. Peradventure, it was an oversight. So when Jacob now is ready to send his sons back to Egypt, he tells them, take double the money. I know what was required. We'll take twice as much. And then also, you may recall, Joseph stuck the money back in their grain sacks as they went home and said, take that and double what you would normally give. So they're giving way beyond uh, what was required. And uh, so our, our king deserves sacrificial giving as well. This was a sacrifice. Remember, they're in a famine, but they're giving sacrificially. Now, when we stop to think about what Jesus Christ sacrificed for us, it should motivate us to surrender our all to him. Jesus gave everything he had to redeem us. He willingly left heaven and came to this earth. He willingly laid aside his glory and adorned himself in human flesh with all the limitations that, that uh, uh, came with it. He willingly suffered rejection, poverty. He suffered the scorn of men, the hatred, the shame, the pain, and death. All for you and I, all for mankind. Surely he deserves no less That uh, from those that he has redeemed from those that he has saved and uh from sin so when we start to think about uh giving the the thought about giving some people get a little nervous when uh, the preacher starts talking about giving and uh, people like to be left alone uh, uh give as they please and i understand that i do um i I can understand that, that that's your business. What I give is my business, none of your business. What you give is your business, none of my business. And I do try to uh, to live up to that. I don't want to know what you give. Uh, it's not my business to know what you give, but it is my business as a pastor to preach the full counsel of the word of God. That means I have to, from time to time, talk about giving. I said, no, God, and so some people argue that tithing, well, that's just an Old Testament concept, preacher. I mean, that that's under the law. And we're no longer longer under the law. We're under grace. So we're not obligated to give a tenth of our income. Um, well, you know, think about Abraham. And Abraham gave his tithe to Melchizedek, this is in Genesis chapter 14, long before even the law was given. So this is not a principle that only happened under the law. And to those who say there's a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament giving, I would say you're absolutely right. In the Old Testament, they were required to give 10%. In the New Testament, they're required to give it all. Did you see that? I mean, if you've read the Word of God, you'll see that God doesn't just want the 10%. He wants the other 90% as well because it's His. In other words, I'm not saying that you and I ought to go out and sell everything and then give it to the Lord. What I'm saying is we ought to have that attitude that everything I have is his. If he, if he wants to use it uh, however he sees fit, it's God's. You know, that would take a lot of pressure off of us. We don't get so attached to things. If something happens, we lose that beautiful car that we love driving. That just a, was a, our dream car. It's not going to hurt us as much because we know, well, it belongs to God. If he wants to replace it, he can do it. If our beautiful home is destroyed, again, it's not easy, but we have a better uh, way of dealing with it because we know that house belongs to God. And God knows my needs. God, uh, he owns everything I have. And that's what the New Testament teaches us. God wants it all. He doesn't just want 10%. And he, he wants you and me to have a heart that is willing to surrender everything we have, everything we are, to him. Our time and everything. It's, it's his. And so in, in the Old Testament time, it was 10%. And today, we, here's what we should do as, as believers. Earnestly seek the Lord and find out what God wants us to give and then give. Do it. So the 10% is the starting point. And and I'm not, again, I'm not going to tell you what you should give above that. That's between you and the Lord. But I will say the Bible clearly gives us a starting point of 10%, a tithe. And that is what uh, uh, all believers should do. And so I would stress the tithe, or 10%, that's that beginning, the starting point, and let the Lord guide you into what you should give beyond that. So in truth, he wants us to tell... Uh, he, he wants to be able to tell us how to spend that 100%. In other words, we're not just uh, going out here doing what we want. Do you ever wonder why so many times we get financially in a bind? We get in such a mess financially. It's because we didn't follow the, the principles of the Word of God and because we didn't really have the attitude that God owns all that I have. Every financial decision I should make with God and let and seek His will, His way. He wants to tell you how to spend not just the ninety percent, but the hundred percent. How to spend it? Jay Oswald Sanders said, "The basic question is not how much uh, of our money should we give to God, but how much of God's money we should keep for ourselves. It's all His. It's all His. He's promised to bless those who give and curse those who withhold their giving, and that's what." He was talking about there in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, where the uh, people were holding back from God. And God said, you're robbing me. That was all the tithe. And uh, so when it comes to the matter of giving, what you give is best settled between you and God. And uh, Second Corinthians chapter 9 has a lot more to say about that. But it's my conviction that we should give in direct relationship to how much God has blessed us with. Uh, if, if he has done anything at all for you, and I dare say, I, I don't have to question that. I know God has done much for you. I know God has done much for all of us. But if he has done anything for us, then uh, uh, we uh, we've been blessed by him. We should express that by giving to the Lord's work. And uh, we don't we don't raise money as a church here for you know through bake sales, car washes, yard sales, and and, and i 'm not not criticizing anybody other than any other church that does it okay i 'm not not at all but here 's why we don 't do that. We believe that the work of the church should be financed by the free will gift or giving of god 's people uh, that 's what we believe I, I like this old this story of Charles Spurgeon. he was a great uh, preacher and back in the 1800s a great man of God, and he was once invited to be uh, by a, a wealthy friend of his, a wealthy man, he was invited to preach in this little country church and he told uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon he tells him he says they need help um, in, in just raising funds to to uh, pay off a debt in the church, and so they need some assistance and and Charles Spurgeon was known everywhere, a very famous man and so the the man told Spurgeon he was free to stay in his his country house or how do he put it, his townhouse or his seaside man the guy had all kinds of homes and uh, Spurgeon wrote back and said sell one of the places that you have and pay the debt yourself and I thought that's why here's a man who has all of this and says can you come and help us raise money uh, for the building when well, he had all the money that was needed right there and sometimes we don't need to pray about it we already know what God wants us to do did you know that people withhold their ties sometimes i hope that's not the case again i know nothing all right uh, i hear nothing i see nothing as far as the finances go or i know as much as you do i'll put it that way but uh, so i'm not trying to to say anything specifically but i will say this uh, there i know in other churches this has happened people get mad they may not, may not like how the church spends their money so they stop giving or they, they think the preacher makes too much money, so they stop their, their giving. Or uh, they uh, might not be getting their way in a certain area, and they stop their giving. Now, to me, that is a dangerous game to play, all right? Uh, because you're, you're not necessarily hurting the church or the preacher or somebody else. It's God's money that you're, you're dealing with there. And so i just want to warn you if you really believe that the tithe is the lord's you and i we have no right to hold it back and say well i'm not going until they do it my way mm, i'm not going to give look if a church is so out of line with in the with, with the will of god it's time to look for another church if you say well i can't give the money to this church because of where they stand on this or that and they're not lined up with the bible then get out of that church But if you uh, can't find a biblical reason, you have no right. I have no right to withhold uh, my tithe to God. Now, that's a dangerous game to play, as I mentioned a moment ago. Um, And and then, so be careful, be careful how you handle God's money. And that was the lesson in the book of Haggai, chapter 1. They learned it the hard way. God brought judgment upon them because of the way they handled god's money you know a lot of people are like uh, this man here in this story just a it's a good way to illustrate it uh there's a, a man who had nothing and god gave this man 10 apples and he said three of the apples are for you to eat three of the apples are to trade for some kind of shelter from the weather from the sun and uh that you might um uh you know be be protected and three of the apples are to trade for clothing to wear. And so he, he gave uh, uh, him the last apple. So that was the nine apples. He gave him the last one. And he said, now this last one is to give back to God and to show your gratitude for everything that uh, he has done for you. And so the man ate three apples right away. There were three for his. He traded three for shelter. He traded three for clothing. And he took that tenth apple and said, man, that is the best looking apple of all ten that's the juiciest looking apple of all of them so he eats that apple and gives god the core that's kind of the way some of us some christians do and so god will bless those who honor him in their giving are you giving what you can to the work of god to the kingdom of god are you giving sacrificially are you giving willingly um Reminds me of a story of Billy Graham. uh, His wife's name was Ruth. And early in their marriage, uh, he was visiting a church where Billy Graham spoke. And uh, during the offering, an usher came by and held the plate in front of him. He reached in his wallet, grabbed what he thought was a $1 bill. But as he laid it in the plate, he realized it was a $10 bill. And that was pretty much all he had. And, of course, he couldn't grab it out of the the plate now. It was too late. It was already left his hand. So he was, uh, you know, he, he saw it was the one and the only $10 bill that he had, and his heart kind of sank because he didn't know what he was going to do the rest of the week. And, uh, in fact, did, to make matters worse, the church didn't even give him a love offer. So he gave his last 10 bucks away, and then he doesn't get an offering. And so he comes back home, and on the way, or I guess on the way home, he calls his wife and tells her what happened. And, um, and so, um, or when he got home, I guess back then they wouldn't have had cell phones, but he got home, he told, told his wife what happened. And is kind of, you know, a little bit uh, upset about it. And instead of sympathizing with him, this is what she said. And just think, Billy, the Lord will give you credit only for the one. That's all you meant to give. And so that was kind of a, a, a great lesson for Billy Graham. So all of us, you have those times. That it happens, it's not easy for us to let go of that tithe. I, you know, I understand more when it comes to taxes. Why, we get taxed left and right, don't we? Sometimes thirty, forty percent, and uh, but we have to give it, or there's great consequences. God is not going to. Uh, th- there are consequences We're not obeying a tithe, but that's between you and God. I am not. I am not trying to badger anybody that i know is not giving i don't know that as far as i know everybody is obeying the lord in that my job as a preacher is to say what the word of god says and your job our all of our jobs is to obey what god says if you love me jesus said obey me obey uh, do his commandments. let me get to my last point here and i'm done today god not only does he just want simple gifts he does want our sacrificial gifts you see these are things all of us can do you don't have to have land and money in order to give a simple sacrificial gift. What, you remember the woman with just two mites? All she had was wor- worthless in, a, in the economy, but it was all she had. She gave it to God, and God rewarded her. Then God demands submissive gifts. There in verses 13 and 14, Jacob sends ben- Benjamin away with his older brothers because that's exactly what Joseph demanded that he do Judah made it clear to his father Jacob that we can't go back unless Benjamin comes with us. and Jacob did not want to send Benjamin but he finally succumbed to that he submitted he surrendered his himself to the will of Joseph he didn't know it was Joseph but to that man who was a leader of Egypt and he sent his beloved son away so more than your time more than your talents, more than your tithe, God is really interested in having all of you. That's what God wants. See, he wants, he wants to bring you to the place where it's you and it's not your stuff that's on the altar. Uh, because if he has us on the altar, he has everything. It's, it's like we've said before, if God has our heart, he has our wallet. But if he has us, in all of us we have put ourselves on the altar as it says in romans chapter 12 1 and 2 i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto god which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind listen folks that's what god wants he wants our all and then if he has us he has our all he has everything and we're not going to be debating with him god knows when he gets uh, gets you on the altar that's when he has everything so god works in our lives to bring us to the place of total submission uh, uh you know when when um, he has everything like abraham we we can see the progression in abraham's life and how the lord worked in his life how he brought him through and some of the mistakes he made some of the a lack of faith that he had, but ultimately he came to this total surrender where he was even willing to climb that mountain, as God told him to do, to take his only son, Isaac, and to sacrifice him. Yeah, well, how in the world? Uh, but but my, you know, the, the point is, Abraham knew that this, this boy, my boy, is God's promise to me, that God will never take away his promise. That even if isaac dies if he falls off the mountain here and dies or he's sacrificed i know god will bring him back because he's a promise from god that's how sure abraham was i used to think as a boy i would picture in my mind abraham there shaking with that knife in his hand bringing it up to slay his son on the altar with tears streaming down his face that wasn't picture at all here's a man who now has grown spiritually And has matured and trusts God completely. And has given God everything. He said, I know, God, that I can place my son in your hands. And I have faith that you will take care of me. And he did. And we know the rest of the story. And so that's the whole uh, uh, episode was that God was getting Abraham. That's what was happening there on that mountaintop. So that's the place that God wants to bring you and I as well. The place where nothing matters but God and him receiving all the glory. So when we get there, our stuff will will cease to matter. You know, when we we stand before our Savior one day, I'm talking to you, Christian. When we stand there, all the things that seem to matter so much on this earth are going to cease to matter at all. All that's going to matter is Jesus and what we've done for him so when we get there we would gladly lay it all down for him when we stand before the lord i want you to know i want you to see jesus today and all that he's done for you and be willing to do that now you'll have a much better life surrendering your all right now than you will by holding things back he will he will have a uh you know a lot of times um people we have a very loose grip on this world and its treasures we don't want to let go of those things but when we get there when we uh, mature as abraham did uh, he will have us he'll have our our all let me ask you this morning does god have your all you're not going to know the peace and the joy the the fulfillment of that christian life to the extent you could unless you get to the point where you're willing to surrender but just like with abraham he didn't take his son but he wanted abraham to be to the place where he was willing to, and he understood that isaac belongs to god first my children are belong they belong to god not the state of illinois i don't have to worry about that now my children are grown but uh your children don't belong to the state they belong to god that's what you should give them over to god all right so uh i i close with a little story here was supposed to uh, during world war ii after the war there in europe uh the sad thing that was noted by many authors was the children in the streets of europe Uh, the places were devastated Uh, a lot of parents were killed and their children were roaming the streets trying to survive and there was a an uh, American soldier driving his Jeep back to the base and he came around the corner early one morning and he saw this little boy with his face plastered against the glass window at a pastry. And the man, the baker was in there, he was kneading the dough and, and you know, the boy was just drooling at the sight of all that he saw. And so this, this soldier, he stopped his Jeep, he went in uh, there, uh he said to the boy, he said, boy, wouldn't you like to have some of those? And he said, would I? the soldier went in there and bought a dozen donuts and brought them out and gave them to the boy. And the boy was just shocked. And uh, as the soldier began to walk away, he said, Sir, are you God? And that's the, that's the way God wants us to be. That's the attitude. That's the philosophy of Jesus, that we are giving, giving. We are never more like God than when we give like God. So we are never more like God than when we give gifts that are fit for a king. don't have to have a lot of money. Just give him yourself. Give him yourself. Does he have your best? Does he have your all? Does he have you? Now, if he, he's spoken to your heart about anything, I would urge you, get it settled today. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Do today what God wants you to do. Let him know, Jesus, you have my all. Here I am. Father, I pray.